Welcome back to the Jellybean Medicine Podcast. My name is Steph and I'm a final year medical student with a love for peds. Alongside the Bonn University Pediatric Club, we'll be giving you the rundown of all the high yield pediatric topics, all based from Australian guidelines. In today's topic, we're looking at autism spectrum disorder. Autism is a common developmental disorder you'll encounter. And according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, about one in a hundred Australians have autism and it's three times more common in boys. So just to keep it simple, there are three key elements to autism. Firstly, the individual might have poor verbal and nonverbal communication. Secondly, they might have difficulty in developing and maintaining relationships. And thirdly, they would have obsessive and repetitive interests. Jumping straight into it, how do we diagnose autism? Autism is diagnosed using the DSM-5 criteria. You can be diagnosed anywhere from 18 months of age, but it usually occurs around two years of age. There are five main elements to the DSM-5 criteria for autism. The first criteria is that there's a persistent deficit in social communication and interaction. So these can include social emotional reciprocity. So this is when there's a failure of normal back and forth conversation. They can also have poor nonverbal behavior. So this can be poor eye contact or a lack of gestures and facial expressions. And individuals will have problems with developing and maintaining relationships. So this might mean they might have difficulty adjusting to different social situations. The second part of the criteria is that these individuals will have restricted and repetitive behaviors or interests. So as part of this, they must have more than two of stereotyped or repetitive motor movements, such as lining up toys in a particular way or flicking on and off switches. They might have an insistence on sameness, so they might like to adhere to routine. They might have highly restricted or fixated interests, and they might have hyper or hypo reactivity to sensory input. So basically this means they might have excessive smelling or touching of objects, and they might have a preference for certain foods. So in clinic, when you're talking to the parents, they might say that their child only likes white colored foods, such as pasta and rice and bread. They might also say that their child has a fascination with lights or with spinning objects. The third part of the criteria is that the symptoms must be present in the early developmental period. The fourth part of the criteria is that the symptoms cause clinically significant impairment in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. And then the final part of the criteria is that all these symptoms together are not better explained by another intellectual disability or global developmental delay. And just on that note, autism is very commonly associated with other conditions such as ADHD or oppositional defiant disorder and anxiety. So moving on, what are the screening tools and diagnostic tools that we can use? So three examples of screening tools include the Social Attention and Communication Surveillance, SAC, and that can be used from 12 months. The second screening tool that you can use is the Autism Behaviour Checklist, so ABC. And another screening tool is the Parents Evaluation of Developmental Status, so PEDS. Then moving on to diagnostic tools. So there are two main diagnostic tools. There's the Autism Diagnostic Interview, so ADI, and so basically that's 93 questions to ascertain a longitudinal history of autism in the child. The other but more common diagnostic tool is the ADOS assessment. So ADOS stands for Autism Diagnostic Observation Schedule. 
The ADOS assessment is typically performed by a clinical psychologist who observes the child's communication and interactions during play. Let's look at classifying autism. As we know, autism is a spectrum. So individuals with mild features of autism, such as poor social empathy, might have Asperger's syndrome. But when looking at autism, there are three functional levels, level one, two, and three. So level one is when they need support and individuals with level one autism may have difficulty with social interactions. You know, they might be able to speak in full sentences, but they might have difficulty making friends. These individuals might also have a lack of to and fro conversation. And another thing to note is that they might have inflexibility of behavior. So they might have difficulty switching between activities. Level two autism is when these individuals need substantial support. So they might have marked deficits in their verbal or their nonverbal communication. So they might speak in minimal sentences and might have a limited interest. Again, these individuals will have inflexibility of behavior and might also have some distress when there is change. Now, the third level of autism is when they need very substantial support. These individuals will have severe deficits in their verbal or nonverbal communication. They might only say a few words and respond to very direct approaches in communication. These individuals will have extreme difficulty with change and they need a lot of support. Lastly, let's look at the management of autism. So the most important thing here is that you have early intervention with a multidisciplinary team. So this can include the pediatrician, speech pathologists, occupational therapists, and feeding specialists who can all stimulate the social and language development in the child. Depending on what the symptoms are, you might like to introduce medication into the management of autism. It's important to note that the medication treats the symptoms, but doesn't actually treat autism. The types of medications you use will be based on what the symptoms are. So if the child has symptoms of hyperactivity, inattention, or impulsivity, they might benefit from a stimulant, such as methylphenidate or Ritalin. If the child has aggression or outbursts, then they might be put on an antipsychotic, such as risperidone. If they have anxiety or repetitive behaviors, they might benefit from an SSRI or an anxiolytic. If they have depressive symptoms, they might be put on an antidepressant. And if they have any sleep dysfunction, they can be put on melatonin. So apart from the multidisciplinary team and apart from the medication, it's always important that you have family counseling as well. And it's also important that you think about the transition to adult services so that the child is best supported for later in life. Now onto the fun part of the episode where I get to quiz you on two questions on the topic we just covered. So the first question is a mother brings in her two-year-old child after preschool mentions some features of autism. What are some things you might ask or look out for during the consult? So going back to those three key elements to autism, you want to be looking out for poor verbal and nonverbal communication, difficulty in developing and maintaining relationships, and finally looking for those obsessive and repetitive interests. You want to be taking a comprehensive history. So going back to the consult, you want to be asking whether or not the child has parallel or interactive play. So remembering that children with autism may have parallel play and that they don't interact with others, but will be playing side by side. In terms of their nonverbal communication, you might see that there's poor eye contact or a lack of gestures and facial expressions. In terms of their interests, you might ask about if they have a strong attachment to objects or if they like to line up their toys in a certain way. 
The second part of the question is what are your next steps if you're suspecting autism? So the number one thing to remember is that early intervention is key. So the first thing you might like to do is a screening tool. So an example is the autism behavior checklist that you can give to the parent. But in this case, we're already suspecting autism. So you might like to jump to an ADOS assessment, which can be done by the clinical psychologist. Depending on what the symptoms are, you might also like to include allied health. So these can include referrals to speech pathologists, feeding specialists or occupational therapists, all to cater to the different needs of the child. And another step is that you might like to inform preschools so that they know how to best care for the child. That's all we have time for today, but I hope you found this episode super helpful. If there's a topic you'd like covered, then please shoot us a message via our Instagram at jellybeanmedicine. We'll see you in our next episode on ADHD. Bye.